As Christians, we dare to call God our Father. But for many people, the word Father doesn't remind them of a happy, healthy relationship. How can Catholics talk about a Father God who loves them in a culture with a shortage of healthy, holy fathers? How can men buck the trends and be the fathers God wants them to be? Join us as we discuss the importance of fatherhood with today's special guest, Dr. Richard Fitzgibbon, Director of the Institute for Marital Healing. I'm Michael Hernan, Vice President of Advancement at Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio, and you're watching Franciscan University Presents. Stay with us. To presents. Uh, today we'll be talking about healthy and holy fathers. Uh, I'm your host, Michael Hernan, uh, Vice President of Advancement here at Franciscan University. I'm joined here in our studios with our regular panelists, Dr. Regis Martin, Professor of Systematic Theology here at Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio, and Dr. Scott Hahn, who holds the Father Michael Scanlon Chair in the New Evangelization and Biblical Theology here at Franciscan University. Uh, and I'm joined with our special guest, uh, Dr. Richard, Richard Fitzgibbons. First, you started as a a, a medical doctor, family practice, right. and then we're drawn into uh, psychiatry. Right. And uh, you, you have done uh, positive psychology, which at some point I want to flesh that out a little bit more, mm -hmm. uh, re using virtue uh, to address marital conflicts, selfishness, mm -hmm. uh, anger, uh, depression, uh, and so forth. You uh, work uh, at the John Paul II Institute uh, Studies for Marriage and Family. You've teach there, as well as you've been a, a consultant to the Con Congregation for the Clergy at the Vatican, uh, and you're obviously also in Philadelphia. And do you st are you still at Charles Buller Mayo? No, not no, really. No. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, well, w Rich, uh, thank you for uh, being with us and for uh, being a part of our show here. Well, thank you for inviting me back. It's a pleasure to be with such generous, generous fathers. <laughs> Well, maybe we could start off with, as we're going to talk about healthy and holy fathers, uh, what does fatherhood really mean? How do we start with that and then it will okay. unfold a little so bit? So I think, I think first and fa foremost, fatherhood involves being a good spouse. Mm. There's no possible way you can be a good father unless you're a good spouse. Unless you model what John Paul II writes, the total gift of yourself to your spouse, completely generous in love, generous in showing affection, generous in mastering your anger, your selfishness, your tendency, many of us men have from our fathers to be emotionally distant, but just to give yourself fully to your spouse. That, that's the model that boys and girls need to see to learn about fatherhood. Right. Yeah. And so, so that is what a fatherhood, that's what fatherhood really is. First and foremost, he's a good husband. Yeah. That's right. Then that's the secondly, blueprint. he's yeah. a good father. Yeah, the greatest gift I find that my kids get from me is I love their mom. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I hear that from time to time. Not that I love her like she deserves to be or needs to be, right. but enough to hear yeah, it from And if kids. they don't see that, if, if it's not somehow incarnated for them, yes. this generous love yeah. uh, and devotion to their mother, then uh, the fact that you love them is not credible. 
Yes. So you so can't it all, believe it. It all starts with love. It starts right. with that giving right. of self. Total gift of self. Yeah. Because that's the source of fatherhood to begin with. You know, it's not a singular act by a male. It really is a conjugal act that produces that life. And yes. so being faithful to that. You know, I think in, in my experience, I tend to find couples that, you know, specialize in loving each other but neglecting the kids or focusing on the kids and neglecting each other. Yeah. Right. And it really requires that coordination. Yeah, so we have a terrible crisis in fatherhood today. Why? Because you have this explosion of selfishness, the mm. culture of narcissism, yeah. the sense of entitlement. And many Catholic men have fallen prey to that, primarily because of giving in to the use of hormonal contraceptives, because of lack of adequate teaching within the church about sacrificial self-giving as fathers. And so we have this terrible crisis of selfishness. What does it do? It turns men in upon themselves, okay? That's the opposite of what fatherhood of being a spouse is. It's total giving. It's not being turned yep. in and shriveling up. You have yep. too many fathers who have shriveled up because of their right. lack of generosity. Yep. And they're not teaching their children how to model generosity and how to model the virtues that are essential to psychological health. Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting that you should say that because uh, Pope Francis had made the point that what really plagues the church is a kind of spiritual narcissism. Oh. Uh, the, the temptation, the tendency to turn inward, to be yeah. fixated on the institution, on, on yourself and not the mission, yeah. not looking for Christ, Regis, bringing I think, Christ I think that began on a psychological level. I think people in the sacrament of marriage, in the priesthood, entire institutions gave in to the worship of self. And the, the old Augustine conflict, the love of self versus the love of God. Yeah. The love of self has exploded over the past 45 years and it has had disastrous consequences yeah. upon the entire culture. A million children a year, a year, suffer the divorce trauma. Okay? A lot of that is because of profoundly weak fathers yeah. who are very insecure as men who need to use other women to boost their weak sense of male ego and don't sacrifice themselves. You know, the the irony them. and the tragedy of this drama that unfolds in our culture is that when men become self-centered and self-indulgent, they also end up in self-contempt. You know, they, they don't respect themselves, yeah. even yeah. if they continue in that narcissist spiral downward, you know. There really is also a, a kind of a, a polarized tension between self-indulgence and self-contempt. Yeah. And I think what we have is, is the crisis is either uh, fathers who are physically present but completely uh, unengaged in their roles in the family mm -hmm. or who are completely absent physically, uh, yeah. that, that are no longer a part of the life that they began. Uh, mm -hmm. with this woman and that that, that is the that is part you know part of and the crux of where this narcissism leads it either right. draws them in so that they're no longer present uh, to their spouse and to their children mm -hmm. uh, physically or just in a spiritual and leadership role in their family. Yeah. I mean a, a beautiful paradox I, I, I think uh, surrounds and defines uh, this whole uh, dynamism of love that you only find yourself when you give yourself. Right. You possess yourself, but only for the sake of giving, donating, right. bestowing yourself right. upon another. So the great wisdom of John Paul II is a yeah. great gift right. to us, right? Yeah. So this is the great gift, his writings, love and responsibility, yeah. etc. It meant to purify, help purify men, help strengthen us men, to bring us back, to yeah. bring priests back, to bring, because we need our priests, we need our priests to, well, to be strong as men, you have to have strong faith. It's not po every man wants to be strong. The, yeah. One of the goals of masculinity is to be strong. You cannot be strong in a culture that is so hostile to what we consider our sacred marriage, you know, unborn, etc. Unless you have enormous faith, so we need our priests to help make married men stronger. And for the do, to do that, they have to become stronger. Right. Yeah. They have to fight selfishness. They have to preach, as John Paul II said, the fullness of the truth 
in regard to sexual morality. Don't hold back. It's a beautiful truth. It makes people happy. I mean, I see many men who are unfaithful to their wives. You know why? Because they only have two kids. They wanted three. They wanted four. And their wives said no. And, and so they felt unfulfilled in their fatherhood with only two children. And that's a conflict in many men. They don't know that. They give in to pornography, substance right, abuse, right. but they're unfulfilled as fathers, yeah. only fathering two children. And they don't even know it. They have no conscious awareness yeah, of that. Yeah. When we look at it, we exp explore. They go, "Oh my God, I had no idea." Yeah. yeah. Like weep. I wanted to father more. I wanted to be more generous. I'm nice. the model God as a loving father. Yeah, I mean, this goes back before contraception in some ways. I remember reading a book by Weldon Hardenbrook entitled Missing from Action, Vanishing Manhood in America. Yeah. And I mean, he's looking at the heroic figures like Daniel Boone and Davy Crockett, showing how these, these iconic figures were themselves unfaithful. They didn't provide for their families. They didn't protect their homes. Mm. They were out kind of, you know, mm -hmm. pioneering as individualists, rugged individualists. Right. So you have to also avoid that extreme too, where a man becomes a man in, in, in an isolated, individualistic sense. Right. And, I, and I think you're pointing to the fact that a man finds himself precisely in giving himself, right. not just to his work, but primarily in his home. Yeah. And many men are afraid of that today. I mean, the economy, I mean, my father yeah. had five children. Could my father afford to have five children looking at it? No, okay? <laughs> but he, he knew that God would provide for him. Right. Yep. And so he trusted God, yeah. That's right. you know? And so young men today, many are this retreat from marriage because of weakness and malconfidence. Yeah. They're afraid of the economy. This is, right. you know, this, uh, they're insecure. And if they would trust God more, their, their manhood becomes stronger. Right. They'd be right. less afraid to move ahead to marriage and to trust God with the number of children he wants them to have. Yeah. Mm. Well, even even when uh, material conditions uh, are are healthy and and the economy is humming along, everything looks pretty vibrant. It's still pretty terrifying uh, to open yourself to to God, uh, to life. Uh, this invitation to be generous. Uh, uh, I, I don't know that anybody uh, has ever thought, oh, this is going to be a snap. I, I remember a, a fellow saying to me who just had a baby. Well, I sired a kid, uh, and and he wanted me to pat him on the back, and I said, you know, that's the easy part. Uh, the really yeah. tough mm -hmm. part is raising this child mm -hmm. and, and, and loving him. Uh, and that, that's a challenge that's pretty off-putting uh, for a lot of guys. It is, they it is shrink from that. You know, one of the major complaints we hear in married life regis are wives who, and children who say to us, I wish my father would show more affection. I wish my husband would show more affection. I wish he would compliment me more, give himself more to me. The major block there is that we men model after our fathers, who are good men, but many of us model after fathers who are not particularly emotionally giving. We have a hard time saying, I love you, a hard time hugging right. and showing affection. So part of manhood is humbly looking at our, our weakness and being good fathers and thinking, Lord, help me repeat my father's good qualities, but help me show more love than he showed. Right. Help me compliment my wife more than my, help me talk to my wife more than my father talked to my mother. That requires a certain humility yes. and recognizing your weakness, but also recognizing you're not going to overcome that without God. You could have psychotherapy five days a week. We know now this occurs in the mirror neuron system of the brain. It begins to activate when you're this big, very small, and you don't break that without grace. You know, it's important to identify that central need to experience God as Father, because all of us have fathers so that we can come to know God as Father, but all of us have fathers with flaws, so we'll never settle for anything less than God is the only perfect Father. You know, cultivating divine sonship, that's the act of faith, especially for men, because as we image Christ, as we image God the Father, I think we get the kind of supernatural grace that we need, along with the common sense mm -hmm. to go back and sort of 
imitate the virtues of our of our fathers, but at the same time, you know, overcome some of the things that were they were lacking. Right. Yeah. What, what role? We kind of mentioned it real quickly. What role does pornography play in this whole crisis of? Oh yeah. Well, yeah. So, so you so you have the you have the contraceptive re, uh, explosion, and you have men turning it upon themselves being not fully satisfied with their intimate relationship with their wives because they're not life-giving, right? So they're, they, even the intimacy becomes shriveled up, right? Mm. You've excluded God. You can't exclude God from a loving experience and expect it to be fulfilling, right? And so then by default, and because of selfishness, you back into these things. I mean, selfishness, the whole goal there in married life is, right, it's my pleasure, right? It's not about being generous by creating this loving family, you know, you know, imaging God's love and this flow of love between a husband and wife. No, it's about me and my pleasure. Well, okay, my wife is upstairs on her computer doing her work. I'm downstairs on my computer doing my work. And let me, let me just go off here and, uh, you know, uh, find some little pleasure here. Right, yeah. yeah. It comes all about pleasure and about self. It's uh, about more about pleasure than about happiness, true happiness, yeah. which is a total sacrificial giving, as you said, Scott, to, to, to a spouse yeah. and to God also. You have to do both. I mean, you can't, because the well runs dry. <laughs> Your father's a large family. Sons, and I have three adopted daughters from China, princesses, wonderful girls. <laughs> They've enriched my life enormously as a man, right? Um, but uh, you, you get drained. And so we need to let go of our worries. You know, there's a, a trap. John Cardinal Crowell said in a conference many years ago in Philadelphia that I was giving, he called me over and he said, I'm going to tell you something. In my view, the single major emotional stress in priests in this archdiocese is feeling overly responsible. Now, here's what you do about that. You, you work very hard during the day, but lunch, dinner, bedtime, you give all your responsibilities back to God. Yeah. And if we can do that, then as fathers and men, we're less exhausted. We're less drained. This is the reason why some men leave marriages, right? right? Because they feel, whew, it's all a burden. It's all, I'm drained. As right. though it's up to them to carry all the weight. You know, right, that's, right. that is the most practical expression of faith I can imagine, to let go and let God, you know, right. and, and, and to do it regularly throughout the right. day. Exactly. Like John Paul II's writings would be that, look, it's, it's fundamentally, it's not the husband's love that sustains marriage. It's not the wife's love that right. sustains marriage. This is a sacrament. Yeah. This sacrament is sustained by God's love. Yeah, that's right. And people forget that. In the, in their religious selfishness plays a huge role in that. It's right. all about me. Right. This yeah. is, oh, this is my marriage. Right. These are my children. Right. Wrong. He got it wrong. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. Says, this is God's marriage. Right. These are God's children. Yeah, right. And then the yoke feels easier. The burden feels lighter. Right. Yeah, yeah. And especially when you look at it, the reality is that today culture, the world, the flesh, the devil are coming at, at men. They're coming at father. Oh. They want to attack it. They oh. want to destroy families. Oh. So you've got all that against you. You can't do it. I mean, I think we should just say, let's just, let's be honest, give over to God what is truly God's. Your family, yeah. your fatherhood, uh, that whole thing, that whole crisis uh, really comes down to that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the merely human, it eventually becomes inhuman. Uh, there's this wonderful story told about Angelo Roncalli, who became John the 23rd, whenever he felt uh, anguish or oppression uh, from all of the duties he had to uh, perform as Vicar of Christ, he would remind himself at the end of the day, Angelo, who's running the church, <laughs> you or the Holy Spirit? Uh, and and he, would, he would then rest uh, yeah. in peace. Pinpointing the sacramentality of marriage is the key, because this is the wellspring of the Sacred. grace that we need. And, and Christ it's only after Christ elevated marriage to a sacrament in Matthew 19 that he restores the mandatory nature of strict indissoluble monogamy. Because mm. he knows human weakness better than humans do, and he also knows what we need to really live it out. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, the sacrament. You know, when I hear people describing marriage and debating it apart from the church's vision of its sacrament, I I'm tempted to say that's not what we mean. 
Yeah. You know, when we right. talk about marriage, we're talking about a sacrament, and that's not right. a secondary aspect. Yeah, you're giving us a caricature. That's yeah. right. That's, that's right. right. Um, we are going to continue on in this conversation. We, we've kind of laid the foundation for a crisis. Now let's talk about what healthy and holy families and fatherhood really means. Stay with us on Franciscan University Presents. When I think of fatherhood, I can't help but think of my own father and who was a role model of so many virtues uh, to me and particularly the virtue of self-sacrifice. And, and uh, my dad never compromised principle and he certainly didn't coddle us, but when it came to matters of preference, he always died to himself. And that self-sacrifice definitely sticks out to me and is a challenge to me even to this day in my relationships with my wife and with my own children. In the 25 years that I've been working with young people in the church, what I've seen is those young people that have fathers who are engaged in their lives, not just you know, taking them to games or showing up at their practices, but praying with them and, and, and teaching them the faith, taking them to Mass and being that, that person in their life. Those teens that have that are so much better off than those that don't. You know, they look at their father and the father becomes the image of God. And the thing is, any father can be that for their children. All they need to do is be present, engaged, reaching out, talking and loving and praying with their children. You don't have to be a theologian or have uh, wonderful quotes from saints uh, at the tip of your tongue to be able to reach your young people with the love of Christ. A good father is one who's just present and reaching out in love to their children. My name is Joseph Krelich. I'm a chemistry major, biology minor here at Franciscan University. I love the atmosphere, just completely centered around the Catholic faith. When I play soccer, when I'm in classes, everything is, has that same Catholic attitude. Myself and a few other chemistry majors had the opportunity to work with top scientists in order to combat neglected diseases. I was able to connect my love for chemistry and also my love for mission work by synthesizing chemical compounds. Franciscan University is academically excellent and passionately Catholic. Welcome back to Franciscan University Presents. We've been talking about healthy and holy fathers uh, with uh, Dr. Richard Fitzgibbons. Uh, Rick, we've been talking about the crisis uh, of, of fatherhood today, but let's look at what does a father contribute to a healthy family? Oh, what is that? It contributes that an enormous amount, right? Yeah. My daughters are complaining my, my being here today. <laughs> <laughs> Don't leave. Yes. Yeah, so I just thought several things. I think one of the, uh, as men, as fathers, God gives us uh, a strength. Okay? He gives us a strength. We're called to be protectors, strong, firm, reliable, as Benedict commented. You know? And so we need to protect our wives, I would suggest, psychologically in several areas, emotionally. We need to protect them from loneliness. Mm. Our wives have extraordinary hearts, right? They're called the mother of our children. And, but they're, they're, they're well run strife for them, too. So as husbands, we need to protect them from loneliness, do our best to comfort them, to praise them. You know, then we need to protect them from anxiety. Because as St. Francis de Sales said, next to sin, anxiety is the worst thing that can happen to a person. Yeah. So many women with their loving, giving hearts take on that responsibility for children and can become overly anxious, worrying about their children. So yeah. our coaching our wives, helping them to let go and let God, turn the children back over to God, you know? And then also, we're, because we're strong, sometimes we can move into an area of being a little bit too controlling yeah. or a little bit too irritable. So you have to fight those tendencies, you know, to be strong but gentle. You know, you just, again, pinpointed something I believe is really overlooked by many, and that is anxiety. Mm -hmm. uh, my father-in-law once described to me his own experience of fatherhood, his struggles to be the kind of father he ended up being, not only to his family, but to his in-laws as well. 
he described fatherhood as non-anxious leadership. Amazing. Hmm. Yeah. Why is that? Whoa. That's it. I mean, yeah. it's sort of a negative definition, but it identifies the positive core. Oh, yes. Non-anxious leadership. Because the irritation usually flows from the anxiety. That's exactly right. So if you're not nipping that in the bud, you're so, gonna just, it's going to spell out yeah, in all so, the so, wrong so, ways. Right. So, so numerous psychological studies would show that in anxiety, there's high levels of irritability. Right. And we, yeah. we want our homes to be peaceful, cheerful right. homes, right? right. Yeah. So we can help our wives and help ourselves by entrusting our worries to God and coaching our wives. Honey, let go and let God with your mother-in-law, right. or let go your mother, or your right. in-laws, or your niece or nephew has this problem or that problem. Right. We've got to try, and we need to help our wives in that area, because we can become anxious, they can become anxious, and then we become irritable, and then tension and conflict exists in the home. And also, too, just from my own experience, I mean, I don't know if this is an overgeneralization, but I think my wife is very capable. She can multitask like I can't. She could probably run the household a lot better without me in some uh, ways. Alicia is a lot like Kimberly. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but, but I think that whole anxiety issue, when, uh, when I step forward and lead, it removes a burden from her totally that yeah. gives her more energy to, to give to the children, to give oh, to yeah. our household. Okay. And I think that's also a challenge that we have. I I think women might be able to step over and take in more, but men should be doing it. It's more of a challenge maybe, because I think men, we're, we're drawn to uh, a selfishness, maybe possibly more, and not giving it. But I think that's, that's part of our, our cross, but it's also part of our, yeah. our, our life. We need you know, to giving. try to be home for dinner at night, every night, right. yeah. if yeah. possible. Yeah. We need to balance our, we need to make the priority first God, second our spouses, third our children, yeah. work and other things come way down the list. Even though in time-wise we may have to do a lot, of, do a lot of time working, but we need to be present to our wives and present to our children, compliment them, praise them. Okay, if we haven't been praised enough, and most of us men have not been praised enough growing up, right? All right, fine. We understand our fathers. We forgive them for his weaknesses. And as Scott said, we, divine filiation. We go to God as our father, St. Joseph. That, so the role, I had in my office an image of St. Joseph carrying a Christ child, and they're almost like wind in his garments. He's moving with that Christ child. Mm. I look at that image, and I think, of course, my day strengthened me. Help strengthen me. Because we all have insecurities. things that are male insecurities. We all have insecurities. That's a major cause of anxiety. So protect our confidence. You know, I think men often excuse themselves because they begin defining fatherhood in terms of a provider. But I think before we provide, we have to be present. Presence and protection, you know, those are the greatest things that we can provide in addition to income, revenue, and that sort of thing, you know. Because if you're making a lot of money, but you're not there on a regular basis for dinner or for okay, right. birthdays or right. graduations, yeah. that sort of thing, you're missing the boat. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah, and then these men fall prey to other women and then try to rationalize leaving their marriage. And right. an unfortunate time we've been through in the last 45 years, and they think, they think they're entitled to divor divorce and they're right. entitled to an annulment also, you know. And right. So you have this weakness, let me touch on this, you have this weakness in Catholic families and men when a relative talks about divorce, instead of stepping forward and saying, this is a sacrament of marriage. Right. Wait yeah. a minute, hold it, right. time out. Too right. many people, married men, relatives, priests, zip. They say nothing. Right. You know, they yeah. enable it where they should step forward yeah. and defend the great sacrament and say to the man or the woman, because two-thirds of divorces occur in marriages with low levels of conflict, okay? Most couples right. who have conflict, big studies have been done conflict, you work on those conflicts five years later, right. two-thirds are happier. Yeah. For those who divorce five years later, one-fifth are happy. Yeah, okay? In, in, in a way, the conflict is a sign of life, right? I mean, there, there's something happening. <laughs> yes. But I was struck by that earlier image of, of St. Joseph, the statue, that, that windswept uh, look uh, that, that Joseph has. He's, he's on the move. He's, he's, yes. he's on mission. But he's rooted uh, as well. He's 
carrying Christ. So there is a contemplative aspect right. to his life, but he is orientated to the future. And that future always belongs to those who show up and there he is. Right. And, and also I, I think that's the great remedy uh, to anxiety, to know that you are rooted in Christ and that's that right. awakens a sense of trust, that right. this, this envelope of confidence that, right. that, that hope has inserted you in. So you're, you're not afraid. You may be careworn, but this malaise of anxiety doesn't touch you. Right. Yeah, you and know, I, think, I think when you think about this, the issue of uh, St. Joseph too, as a model, just kind of reflecting back, uh, he is uh, the foster father of God's son. And we then modeling Joseph are really stewards like he was yes. of, of God's children, you know, and just yes. having that, that relieves that burden. And we kind of talked about it before, but it relieves that burden that it's all up to me. Right. Uh, but it also is, gives a heightened sense of this is our job, right. is to be stewards of, of his children, of God's children. And in a culture like this, one of the most important aspects of stewardship as men, and I see so many Catholic fathers fail in this area to protect their wives and their children, is to correct our children in regard to selfishness. Mm -hmm. We have a culture, this extraordinary epidemic of selfishness. Everybody goes into their own world, their iPad, their, their cell phone, and pulls away. You know, and so we have to really work very, very hard to correct selfishness in our children, and look at it in ourselves, discuss it in our wives and fight against this because this this is a severe this weakness of selfishness creates a serious personality disorder that really is havoc in the sacrament of marriage and the sacrament of holy orders over the past 45 years. Yeah, maybe we could touch on that. I mean, as, as we go and look at, at fathers, uh, all of us having our own natural uh, uh, fatherhood and, and children, when we think about priests as fathers, what, what, what can we speak to uh, with their relationship, if you will, uh, as fathers? So we are, we are in a time of renewal. Yeah. <laughs> had several extraordinary popes. We have incredible right, one right now, right? Yeah. Very, very strong leaders. And so we've had, uh, in some ways, uh, in the priesthood, uh, like the sacrament of marriage, has been hit very hard by selfishness, okay? Very, very hard. And we've had this rebellion against teaching the fullness of the truth on sexual morality. If you don't teach the truth, it's hard to live it. Hmm? Right. And so you have to teach it to live it. And so we have this crisis because of many ways the failure to teach it and to live it. And so we have to pray for our priests and we have to hope that they will become stronger and follow St. Joseph and not be, not be insecure. Many have been very, very insecure to speak the truth because they'd be conflict with their brother priests or bishops about, oh, you're preaching the truth about contraception. Nobody, no one does that. Right, yeah. you know, so we're coming, we're coming through a challenging right. period and we're coming out of it now, hopefully. And yeah. it'll take time. What, what, what's hugely uh, uh, helpful, I think, is to have young men drawn to the priesthood who don't have any conflicted sense of who they are. Their identity is pretty intact. Oh, yes. They have a natural integrity. They know I'm a man and I could just as easily marry a woman as get wedded to Christ. Yeah. And, uh, and there are many are profoundly loyal religious to John Paul II. Yeah. So they're not concerned if their brother priest or if their bishop does not preach the truth about sexual morality and about contraception because they're going to preach right, it. Right. Yeah, this yeah. mystery of the fatherhood of the priest is not just metaphorical. There's something really real about this, metaphysical. I mean, in, in the Bible, you go back to Genesis in the patriarchal period, the patriarchs weren't just patriarchs, they were priests yes. mm. as well as yes. prophets and kings. And in the book of Judges, chapters 17 and 18, when Micah is looking at a Levite, he says, will you be to me a father and a priest? 
which is two ways of saying the same thing. The next chapter, some Danites passing through the village approach the Levite and say, be to us a father and a priest. Yep. You know, we have to recognize that fathers have a priestly role, yes. but priests have spiritual fatherhood too. Oh, and that, that this is alone what makes the parish feel like a spiritual family yes. with a kind of uh, sacramental solidarity. Yeah. And when we've married men, we fathers, we need our priests to be spiritual fathers to us. That's right. That's right. We need them to strengthen us because it's very difficult out there today. It's very difficult, the attack on marriage, and God's, the culture's views about the church's teaching on sexual morality, we need to be strengthened. And so we need our priests to strengthen us, but also in many parishes, there are men's groups, there are different movements in the church that are also very important and very helpful. Accountability, you know, not just leniency, mercy is also the strength to be raised up to. You know, mm -hmm. I think sometimes right. you reduce mercy to leniency and pity. And, and, and thankfully, God can be lenient and pitiful towards us, but at the same time, He's powerful to raise us up, and He can use priests to do that, too. Right, or, or other, either other Catholic laymen to give us correction. Right. So we need That's to be right. corrected. Right. Right. Well, I mean, to be Jesus, involved in people's lives. Yeah, yeah, Jesus at the well was infinitely compassionate towards this woman who had, what, five or six husbands. But at the end of, of the story, He tells her unmistakably, uh, you've got to stop doing this. You've got to shape up. This is not. This is not going to. Con this doesn't conform to right reason, and it's not going to make you happy. So cut it out. I always think about uh, with with single women or women who have had awful relationships, have children. What role? Um, uh, how does that work out in our society? How should it work out when we've got single moms raising kids? Um, what can we do? Or for dads who the, 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 their spouse doesn't want them engaging in their children's lives? I and mean, we've got some right. of these challenges. What yeah, do we so, do? so again, I think as, as, as fathers, as Catholic fathers, we have a responsibility way, way beyond their own family. We're called to protect our own family, but we're called to protect those, as, as much as we can those in our community. So on our street, we've had several children without fathers, divorced, right? So I try to, we try to, it's good to try to reach out to those young people, just yeah. always wave to them, just try to give them some warmth, right. give them some love. The single parents, the mothers, they try to be supportive of them, have them over dinner at times, or just encourage them, or even play matchmaker sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I enjoy doing yeah. <laughs> my work. You know? That's it, that's right. That's, uh, I, I, I just think it's too much of a crisis for, um, I, it's hard enough for me and my wife who are on the same page working together to raise our kids. I can't imagine what a single mom is going through. Oh. Or a father oh. who is estranged from his oh. kids, even on the other side, who may not be able to get involved. Yeah, I can tell you, in my professional life, one of the most painful aspects of my professional life is treating children of separation and divorce. Mm. Okay? When I see their pain, and I know what's going to happen to them, and it's bad. Yeah. It's bad. It's really bad. And you can't Psychologically, yeah. spiritually, what is going to happen to them, okay? Yeah. We had a two-day conference at the John Paul II Institute for Studies in Marriage and Family last year on the children of divorce, and we're going to do a volume on that. It's really, you know, so we just the call to, 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 to pray about this, of course, but then to go after these individuals who are thinking of leaving their husbands or their wives. We've got to try to protect the culture. That's right. you know, people have this mindset, well, nothing could be worse than this marriage, and then they find out too late, something could be much worse, yeah, and that right. is the loneliness, the isolation, oh. the alienation, not only for ourselves, but especially, as you point out, for the kids. Look, yeah. most marital conflicts can be resolved. Right. Because what's the goal in married life? The goal in married life is not that complicated. It's to have a healthy personality. 
body. And how do you do that? You look at your weaknesses, you grow in virtues and grace, and you become another Christ. So the goal is to become another Christ to your wife and to your children. And if you do that, if you really honestly work at that, your marital conflicts can be resolved. Your selfishness, your anger, you're not giving yourself more, those things can be resolved. Right. I mean, even if you're just approximating it a little bit more <laughs> each year. Yeah. You know. You're slowly getting on the path. Because right. you don't want to ever look in the mirror and say, I've arrived, I'm Christ-like. Right. You know, right. Then you're doubly dangerous to yourself <laughs> that, is, that is so true. That yeah. is so true. Well, we, we've been talking about healthy and holy uh, fatherhood. Um, stay with us as we look at, at, at really approaching that true fatherhood. Uh, stay with us on Franciscan University Presents. We have eight children, and we look at you know family dinner um, like we would family going the family going to mass. Um, it's an important activity. Um, just like going to mass, we share our, our faith, we share our values. Um, at the family dinner, a lot of those questions get asked of us um, about what we believe, the principles that we hold as a family, and also the principles we have and that we share as Catholics. I certainly look to Saint Joseph as as a as a role model, but certainly as an intercessor particularly when there are issues related to um, being a better husband and a better father. St. Joseph is the, is the go-to saint. Explore the treasures of your Catholic heritage on a Franciscan University pilgrimage. Led by inspiring spiritual directors, you'll walk in the footsteps of saints and martyrs in the Holy Land, Poland, France, and Italy. And you'll deepen your love for Jesus Christ through daily mass, confession, prayer, and the joy of Christian fellowship. Let Franciscan University lead you on a pilgrimage of faith. Find out more at franciscan.edu slash pilgrimages. Welcome back to Franciscan University Presents. Uh, this entire program springs forth from the very mission uh, of Franciscan University. Um, our entire program is taped right here at the Communication Arts Studio here at Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio. Um, our, our students are operating the camera and the equipment. Um, our, our regular panelists are our theology faculty here at Franciscan University. Uh, today we've been talking about fatherhood and uh, maybe we could, we went from crisis, we went to uh, a real sense of what holy and healthy uh, fathers look like. Maybe we can give some practical tips. Let's break it down. And how do we rebuild fatherhood? What's some of the beginning <laughs> practical steps? Okay. Well, first I want to say I'm really delighted to be in this holy place. I yeah. feel it's a holy place. <laughs> so rebuilding fatherhood, well, so that's really challenging. See, well, self-knowledge I think is very vital here to recognize that we need to grow as fathers, that we need to grow in virtues as husbands, to grow in virtues as fathers, that we need as men to master our, our weaknesses. We, we particularly need to master anger. We need not to express anger in our homes, okay? That's heroic virtue, forgiving seven yeah. times 70. Pope Benedict talked about it as the immediate forgiveness, immediate forgiveness. Yeah. So, so teaching our children to forgive, we don't want the expression of anger in our homes. The ho in homes, love is meant to flow, not anger. So we forgive on the way home from work, and we forgive in the home, and we teach our children to forgive, not to express Can I interrupt? Anger. When you do get angry, and you recognize that it's disordered, apologize. Oh, I've discovered yeah. that when there you apologize, yeah. and you humble yourself, you know, it the changed. kids are somewhat startled, because right. it isn't from one extreme to the other, it's from one extreme back to the middle. 
back to moderation, where you admit you're weak and it's a struggle to yeah. avoid anger. And that's and, and they see it's real. I mean, right. I, just to, again, yes. just to interrupt. I mean, anger is, I think, a great challenge both for for me and for many men. Oh, for all of us. And, and that is right. when we humble ourselves. I remember my father-in-law when we got married says the first thing is a real man is the first to apologize. First, yeah. to see isn't that forgive. beautiful? You know. Yes, yeah, so, so really working at forgiving and being open to, to forgive those who've hurt us is very, very important. And as Scott was saying, I know in my life, in my wife's life too, that one of the major things that causes irritability is anxiety. Right. You're under yeah. pressure. People are right. coming for dinner. Right. Yeah. You get the house clean. This is happening. Right. You're worried about this. You're worried about that. Yeah. You know, so a major way our anger diminishes, other than the virtue of forgiveness, is really committing ourselves more fully to trust God with our sacrament of marriage, with our children, for us men with our work. It's very, very important. Many men do not trust God with their work. Mm. Right. And this includes priests. Right. You know, they gotta give back to the Lord the worries about their, their, their mission, their work in their right. life. Yeah. And if we can do that, if we can trust God more, incorporate the virtue of forgiveness, then we can become more loving fathers. So many fathers are not loving enough because they haven't mastered their anger, Michael. Yeah, that's so true, yeah. that's so, so true. Yeah, and the irony is that uh, oftentimes they're under the delusion that uh, they've already mastered everything. I'm in charge, <laughs> I'm captain of this, this uh, right. ship, master of my destiny. They're this sort of Promethean myth uh, they've yes. got to be disabused of. And I think the recognition that you're a sinner, a wounded surgeon, right. if you will, is very freeing. Right. Uh, and, and people, I think, are impressed by that, the acknowledgement right. of, of your brokenness. Right. And you know, marriage is a work in progress. I'm right. not perfect yet, but I recognize that there are standards right. that we need to uphold, even if, if we observe them mostly in the breach. And I think people respect that right. uh, and they can see it. It, 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 it. it provides, I think, an incentive for everybody to go on, yes. you know, pick up where you left off and right. continue the struggle. It's worth it. Mm. You know, anxiety, I think, uh, is fueled by perfectionism. And I, I think perfectionism paralyzes men, oh, yes. both as husbands and as fathers. You know, yes. there's only one perfect father. And, and, and it's ironic that he loves us just the way we are, but then he loves us too much to leave us that mm -hmm. way. But he's a gradualist, you know. Right. He is merciful and patient with us in some ways that go beyond how we are with ourselves. I know my dad suffered from a severe depression for the last 10 years of his life. Mm. And it helped a lot to find out that his dad did too, because then the, the, the kind of a genetic predisposition that I recognize. Right. So when he died, I, I'd already gone on a search, a quest for alternate models. My dad was great, but I wanted other role models as, right. as fathers and my father-in-law and other people too. And to find mentors and models, and again, none of them are gonna be perfect, but they're no, all gonna kind of make helpful. up for what the others lack. Right, right. I think, you know, if you, if you look at it, a bunch of men in the military created the GPS system. I think because men don't wanna ask for directions. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 uh, right. But, but right. I think that's true in the sense that we don't wanna ask for help. We don't wanna look right. for right. other right. advice out there, and no. we think we know it all. No, we don't wanna be weak. Yeah. So, yeah. so male confidence and strengthening male confidence is very, very important and being, great, being grateful to God for the gifts he's given us as men. So every day, thank, thank you God for the gift you've given me as a husband to be able yeah. to love my wife. Thank you for the gifts you give me to be a father to these children. Thank you for the gifts you've given me in my career and my work. This really can protect us from anxiety. But one other word about anxiety, Scott, <clears throat> tying back to my father. My father lost his father suddenly at the age of four. Four young children, H1N1 in 1918, killed millions of people all over the world very, very quickly. Okay. So my, I, when I became a psychiatrist, I realized my father overreacted. A strong man, tremendous faith, but overreacted in anxiety because of what happened to us. 
childhood, catastrophic thinking, fear that something terrible would happen. But then I realized, uh-oh, Rick, guess what you've got, right? <laughs> so that I modeled it, right? I, ooh, sometimes I overreact to anxiety, okay. So just recognizing that and then taking that to the Lord because I could be in psychotherapy myself five days a week. That's not gonna change my anxiety. I would know it, of course, but with God's grace, guess what happens? Right, yeah. The legacy is broken. That's right. And so as men, it's very helpful to grow in self-knowledge, to look at our fathers and think, did he have a problem with sadness? Did he have a problem with anxiety? Was he emotionally distant? Did he become too angry? Was he selfish? Take those to the Lord and think, Lord, thank you for his good qualities. That's Free right. me that's from right. these weaknesses. Be grateful. And be, that thankfulness for the good qualities oh, is gratitude. crucial. Gratitude is essential for confidence. You know, I, I remember looking at my father as I was fathering my kids, and I thought, you know, how many times we played catch. So out comes the baseball, the football, the frisbee, all of that. <laughs> but at the same time, I recognized that I'd never experienced much joy or humor from him. So for my father-in-law and from others, I make a point of trying to bring joy and a good sense of humor into the family. Oh, you know, the, the opposite hard. of anxiety, I think, is joy. Yes. Uh, and that kind of humor, yeah. we're not trying to just be a stand-up, but you're just allowing a lot of yeah. laughter in the home. Well, Leon Bois says that joy is the most infallible sign we have of the continuing presence of God mm. uh, in our lives. And that's why we can speak of the joy of the cross. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it wasn't a happy uh, meal. Uh, right. uh, you know, uh, it wasn't a fuzzy a kind of uh, a contentment, but there was a real profound joy yes. that, that he embraced. This is good because we're talking about a number of virtues that can help rebuild fatherhood. That's and right. cheerfulness, I think, is one of the most important. Yeah. That after work, when I drive home, I have a short commute, fortunately, but in driving home, I try to, like, first of all, let go and let God with all the worries of the day. Yeah. So I don't come home worried and irritable and stressed out by the problem. Forgive from different stresses in the day. And secondly, I ask the Lord, help me to be cheerful. Yeah. Help me walk into this home right. and be cheerful to my wife yeah. and be cheerful to my child. Not walk into the home, oh, here, comes, right. here, comes, here comes irritable dad, right? Uh, no, no, I want to be a cheerful husband yeah. and a cheerful father to my wife and my children. And I think that's very important to look at for us men, yeah. to be yeah. cheerful fathers. Yep. And in a culture like this, you, you, you have to have faith to be cheerful. Because you get so much bad news and so many things are going on, they're like, oh my God, this culture seems like it's going right down the drain. Yes. You think of that, that, that movie, I think it was Life is Beautiful, uh, with the, the father who mm -hmm. taught his son right during the prisoner of war camps. Just the yeah. joy, even in the midst of all of this, he kind of made a, a make-believe world. I think we, we live in a culture that really is attacking our children every second of the oh. day. And if we can protect them and joy... Well, in the culminating uh, uh, scene of that film, he makes he makes the supreme sacrifice. He gives up his life so that his son might be set free. And then his son wins the tank. You know, a thousand points, we get to take the tank home. Uh, couldn't you just die laughing? Yeah. And, yeah. and it's all because of the sacrifice of the father. Yeah. And to me, that's a beautiful example of what a father can bring to a home in spite of all their past failures right. to begin again right. uh, every day. Yeah. You know, his no. mercies are new every morning and then the, our, our, our opportunity to begin again. I'm reminded of it episode over 20 years ago so I can talk about it now you know, <laughs> yeah. where my father-in-law was visiting and he saw me I came home from work and I was all anxious and distressed from work-related things you know and uh, he, he just gently and respectfully pointed out the next day he didn't just land on me and he said you know I would suggest that you treat University Boulevard you know work is there and home is right. here yeah. 
So treat that like the River Jordan. You're coming out <laughs> of the desert and you're entering the promised land. Yeah. And he said, you know, just try that. And I tried it. And I tell you, you know, having a, 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 a physical, material, visible mm -hmm. line of demarcation. Yeah. And he also gave me a book that described, you know, how men tend to think of their work as really where they find meaning and fulfillment right. instead of the home. He said, no, this is the silver sword. This is the gold sword. You know, you're conquering at work, and that's valuable. But like silver is valuable. But the real gold standard is when you come that's home, beautiful. and you you conquer your anger and your, your anxieties. And if you think about what, well, who can you have greater impact on, the coworkers, your 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 cause, whatever, how righteous it might be, or the children that are right there right, in your right, home. Right. And, and I also think about even grandfathers, uh, whether it's helping mentor their son-in-laws or oh, sons, sure. uh, let alone their own children, mm -hmm. uh, or stepping into that, that single family situation yeah. where, uh, I, I remember I just, just met this uh, very powerful Christian man who's mentoring all of you. I said, how did you start on this? And he says, because my dad was absent, and I ha he had a guy at church knock on his door and say, when are you gonna get off your butt and start treating, uh, right. you know, start yeah. fathering your child? And he says that left a lasting image that this man in the church stepped up to my dad and said, start, start being a dad. Amazing. Yeah. Right, the other thing I think is very important as men in fatherhood is being spiritual fathers, taking very seriously our call to be spiritual fathers and not to be afraid to share our faith with our children. Right. I mean, not to be afraid at the dinner table, for example. Right. I try once in a while to look, I have the Magnificat at Mass in the morning, look at something, some part of the scripture that really touches me, and at the dinner table to say, oh, by the way, Adele and girls, this is what really struck me, what the Lord was saying today. Right. What do you yeah. think of that? Yeah. Does they have a discussion of the faith, to try to build up the faith. Yeah. And for Catholic men, especially now, to know the faith, because we know there's been attempts in the culture, many Catholic institutions, to undermine the faith, unfortunately, right. the past 45 right. years, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so and, and to know the truth about sexual morality, yeah. and to explain to the children why, what marriage really is, you know, mm. and why the church has her teachings mm -hmm. on sexual morality. These are for the good of the culture, they're for the good of husbands and wives. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is true, and, and I suppose lamentable, that, that most people who go to Mass are women, but it's not, strictly speaking, a feminine enterprise, that you pray, you exhibit some uh, outward show of piety. It's not unmanly to go to church to receive Jesus uh, in Holy Communion. And in, in fact, it's, it's wonderfully manly. It completes you. Uh, it, right. it expresses the fullness of this gift of masculinity. Uh, and you have something to share, to export, to take to the ends of the earth. Regis, I, I could never do my work if I did not go to Mass every morning. Yeah. If I did not go to Mass and put on the altar the wounded marriages, the wounded teenagers, the wounded priests, the wounded children I see, I could never do my Mass. I could never do my work. I would be depressed. Mm. Yeah. I wouldn't want to go to work. Yeah. I would also suggest initiating things like the family rosary, yeah. right. you know, oh, yes. grace before meals as well. Yeah. You know, and hospitality, so often you know, we just leave that to the wife and the mom. Uh, I had a friend over yesterday who is a priest who's the director of the new evangelization in a major diocese, and he came for dinner, and my 13-year-old was just kind of enthralled, like we all were, at hearing about the adventures of trying to launch the new evangelization. After two and a half hours, he said, Dad, thanks for letting me be a part of it. But I'm like, and you also want to be apart from it. now." <laughs> and I let him go. But we talked about it later on. I, I, give, I give my kids a blessing at the end of the day, right before oh. they go to bed. And uh, he was just also expressing his gratitude then. 
And I, and I think that you know, we, we step out and we don't have to do anything perfectly. We just have to do everything as well as we can and then right. get well, better Scott, at it. Scott, what, what type of blessing do you give your children? I'm very, I'm very curious. I just lay my hand on them and say, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you, David, tonight and forever, to we're in heaven together, amen. Each of and your children. Shall, yeah. Right. Beautiful. At home. That is. Yeah, and yeah. whether it's, 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 it's that or, or in other ways, I think it's crucial that they understand the Father's role, that, that He is the spiritual head, and that there is a sense that this is what men do. Men yeah. step step out. That's right. My sons are doing it now with their kids. Yeah. It's really cool to go yeah. visit them. Yeah, yeah. The men, men talk about the Lord. It's manly to talk about the Lord. Right. It's manly to talk about the greatest force in the universe, the power of the Holy Spirit who's with us to help us. Yeah. Yeah. I believe there's, there's a cosmic struggle going on and a father can have a, a, a eternal impact on these kids' right. lives. And, and it's not just a rhetorical exercise. You know, at the end of the day, this perfunctory blessing, it's profound, it's fraught with a great deal of meaning. But there's also the, the tactile uh, dimension. You touch the child, mm -hmm. you, you know, you plant your thumb on the forehead and you actually bless the child. Yes. You know, you plant the sign of our salvation uh, on their flesh and hug them. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that's really meaningful. See, I think men would be far more fulfilled Catholic men if they exercised more spiritual fatherhood. Right. There's a poverty of spiritual fatherhood yeah. in too many Catholic families today. Amen, amen. Well, we've been uh, taking time today to look at the crisis, uh, what, is, what is true fatherhood, and now some very practical tips. And I think that was a great, uh, great part to end this segment on. Uh, you won't want to miss the last part. Uh, this is where we wrap up and look at some of the high points uh, for the show on fatherhood. Stay with us on Franciscan University Presents. We need a broader witness of men who will serve the church with great integrity and courage and strength. Things that, that men bring to the table that uh, young people need to see at the service of the church. You know, we can see men who are brave, uh, do great work in the field like firefighting or medicine or sports. Well, that same passion, enthusiasm, and commitment need to be brought by men into our church so that they can see, uh, young people can see, that God is worthy of those things, those efforts, that that passion that they have for their job outside of the church, they would bring that to the church and, and, and young people would see that that's good for a man to have that kind of love for God, for, a love for holy things, a love for the church as it's been given to us by Christ. I'm Dan McNally. I'm a theology major here at Franciscan University. I love studying theology. It's my passion. But, I mean, I love learning, too. You walk out of the classrooms, you want to know more. You don't want the lecture to end. So, I mean, that's a really great thing about being a part of a student body is you can continue to discuss outside. It's not just studying to, to make a grade. It's, it's learning to, you know, improve yourself. And not just through your own personal prayer or your own personal study, but through community, because that's what we're made for. Franciscan University is academically excellent and passionately Catholic. Welcome back to Franciscan University Presents. Uh, we've been talking about fatherhood with uh, Dr. Richard Fitzgibbons. Uh, this is our time for wrap-up. Uh, Regis, could you uh, start us? Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, no end of grateful for this conversation and, and particularly uh, your contribution because if, if you hadn't been here, uh, we wouldn't have catalyzed uh, this exchange, which has been so uh, enriching, so exhilarating even, but also a little convicting. I mean, you, you come to see your own shortcomings and, and really, if I had my druthers, I'd drop the mic and race home and try to do better uh, because uh, it, it's that inspiring. And I, I, was, I was struck by the fact that 
for you, mass uh, in the morning, I, I, I suppose, yes. is indispensable, indispensable. Uh, irreplaceable. There's no substitute for that. And without it, you, you would probably be driven to some extremity of, mm -hmm. of despair. Mm -hmm. I mean, what do you do with all this pain and anguish yeah. that professionally uh, you have to deal with? Right. And, and then I, I was thinking of the fallout from divorce and the devastation wrought by broken families and, and this, this uh, epidemic of, of selfishness. And, and there really is a kind of uh, crossroads because people can go in either direction. They can permit themselves to be swallowed up by resentment uh, uh, and rage uh, you know, against, uh, uh, you know, against uh, the, the bad deal that life has given them, or they can turn it to glory. Uh, they can somehow see it as a challenge uh, and, and uh, sort of defy uh, the, the culture, the circumstances of, of their past and overcome that brokenness and, and minister all the more effectively to their own children. So the cycle can be broken. It doesn't have to go on and on and on. Uh, that, that's a sign of hope and your being here is a great sign of hope as well. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you, Regis. Scott? Building on what Regis just said, you know, the light dispels the darkness. You know, it, it isn't a clash. You just flip on the switch and there's no more darkness. We need light and we need practical models, you know, and mentors. And I thank God every day for my dad, but also for my father-in-law and all of the other spiritual father figures that I've had over the years. And, and then you turn around and try to, you know, pay it forward. Because, you know, I, we've had uh, over between 30 and 40 men live with us in the last 25 years. Mm. Uh, almost all of them are master students. And I look at it selfishly because they're, they're role models for our kids, you know. But I also have discovered, you know, one of the guys who's lived with us recently, he lost his father when he was very young. And I didn't realize what a father wound men like that carry. And so in tears, he's told me, you know, you've been a mentor and a model to me. And I'm just like, all I can see are my inadequacies. And so I'm grateful for that opportunity to kind of pay it forward, to give it back so that others can benefit. The other thing I wanted to mention too, and that is the need for mercy, to experience that mercy from God the Father in order to transfer that to our kids. For the last 25 years, we've had this thing called the Day of Jubilee, where you know, in the year of Jubilee, all debts are forgiven. So I will announce today, if you come to me privately, there will be no punishment for anything you tell me. And my kids were a little skeptical over the years, <laughs> but they've done it. And we've had a major breakthrough almost every time we get beyond an impasse. Amazing. We've wondered, what's the problem? And all of a sudden, when we say no punishment, out it comes. And along with that, I have a deal with my, all my kids, and especially the boys. You just say confession, and I'll get on the phone, and we'll, I'll, I'll drive you, I'll drop whatever I'm doing, and get you to confession, and I'm not going to pry. And that also has been this experience of the medicine of mercy that can really break through in areas and in ways I could never do on my own. And so, you know, I, I think the more we find mentors and role models around us and then emulate them, the more light dispels darkness. Mm, that's powerful. Rick. So first of all, I want to say that I'm enormously grateful to be invited here to be with you all. And this program has been very enriching for me. I've learned a great deal here myself. Yeah. And when I think of fatherhood, I, I'm most grateful to my own father. And I'm profoundly, profoundly grateful to John Paul II because my work has been tremendously influenced by his writing, particularly Love and Responsibility. So I'm profoundly grateful for him. And the, I feel very, very hopeful about fatherhood. I mean, I'm in the midst of all this darkness that I see daily, but on the other hand, I know with God's grace growing in virtues, growing in grace, men can overcome these weaknesses. This culture can change. It's God's plan for this culture to change. I think, I think we've hit bottom with fatherhood, I really do. In the crisis in the church, the crisis in divorce, 
men have got to come up now, and I think they're going to come up, and I think this program is going to help with that, mm -hmm. I believe. Um, and I'd appreciate your prayers. Uh, many things I've talked about here, the virtues, we have a book, major Catholic publisher has a book that addresses many of these issues right now that they might <laughs> move forward with that book. would be a hope and prayer, but I think my parting message to men is this, um, grow in the grace, grow in virtues to master your weaknesses. Grow in the virtue of forgiveness to master your anger. Grow in the virtue of generosity and self-denial to master your selfishness. Grow in cheerfulness to master sadness. If you didn't get enough father love or mother love, think of St. Joseph as your other father, a lady as your other mother. Seek to be another Christ. Try to defend other people besides your family in this culture, those from divorce trauma, and try to protect this culture from the attempt to redefine marriage. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, it was great having you on the program. If you enjoyed today's program, uh, we have a handout here for you, uh, Sports and the Family uh, by Dr. Fitzgibbons. Uh, it's available for download or just for asking us. Uh, this is a great um, uh, instructive tool uh, to really think about what role uh, can this play in your, in your family? What can it separate and draw you uh, apart from it? Uh, just tipping off of this, there are so many things that are pulling us apart as a family. And I, I just want to challenge um, all the fathers, and, and myself included, um, do more than you're doing today. Uh, run home, do whatever you need to do uh, to, to be present uh, at home. Maybe it's taking an extra 20 minutes to get home to relieve your, your wife uh, from watching the kids and tackle with the little guys or, or read a book with the older children. Um, find what you love and share that with your kids, and it might be sports but also and invite them into your world because it's a great opportunity to invite them into your world but humble yourself or earn their trust so that you can be invited into their world um, so that you can find out even though for me I, I have six daughters and shopping is not on my list of things <laughs> that I like to do but by going with my daughters I, I see a new world uh, through their eyes and, and I, I earn a, a new opportunity to speak uh, to them and to their heart uh, it, it's a challenge being a father, and the world, the flesh, and the devil are, are, are all poised uh, to go against you. But our world is, is desperately in need uh, of true fathers to step forward. Because, um, and it's not about you, whether you, you have all the experiences uh, that are really going to be the platform for you to be a father or not, uh, get over it. Uh, because the reality is God the Father needs you to do as best as you can to, to reflect Him. It's not about you, it's about Him. Uh, so if we, if we call upon His mercy, call upon His grace, uh, we can be the fathers that God needs us to be. Uh, but this is a, a unique time in our world where we need fathers now more than others. Wives, uh, uh, encourage your husbands, but don't nag them. No one nag themselves <laughs> into the kingdom of God, and, and, but you have to give them the opportunity to step forward, and it's a beautiful thing, and they want to earn your respect. Uh, and this is a, a beautiful occasion for us to do that. So uh, I hope you've enjoyed today's program. Uh, Franciscan University, uh, our mission really is to form the students who are transforming the world. Uh, and I want to invite you to be a part of that mission. Uh, maybe you can join us for one of our, our exciting summer conferences or join us uh, on our pilgrimage to the holy sites. Or maybe you can come and get your degree here on campus or through our distance learning program. Uh, or, or whatever you do, go to faithandreason.com. The handout we talked about today is there, as well as videos from Regis and Scott and, and so many of of other uh, speakers and, and faculty here, free education to, to inspire you and transform your mind so we can go out and really transform this world. Uh, thanks for being with us today, and until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you.
download the free handout on today's topic, go to faithandreason.com. Email your request for the handout to presents at franciscan.edu. At faithandreason.com, you can also purchase past episodes of Franciscan University Presents or request today's free handout and purchase past programs by calling 888-333-0381. That's 888-333-0381 or call 740-283-6357.